turn it back on you in terms of like what to research I, you i would probably be looking under the vein of um uh someone throw out some psychologist names right so yeah, one of them yeah. is um erickson so erickson created uh, what he calls like the stages of development so there's like okay. eight of them right yeah and within the stages there's essentially um almost like milestones that yeah. if you if you do this age bracket well, then you obtain this power. It's like being able to trust, right? <laughs> but if you don't learn this milestone, then you're going to like suffer for the rest of your life because now you just are distrusting or whatever. Okay. So yeah. I'm wondering like uh, just kind of developmental stages and he's not the only psychologist, Piaget. There, there's quite a few people who have identified different milestones of what kids should be learning based on their developmental trajectory. And I'm wondering if there's some of those reactive triggers, as you mentioned, that speak on those developmental milestones. So I feel like I should definitely be seeking out developmental psychologists, if that's a field. Is yes. that like a subfield of psychology? That's it. Okay. It is All a subfield. Right, so. Child psychology, which developmentals. Yeah. De developmental. Yeah. Developmental psychology. Those would be your experts. I think they is would be anybody, able to tell you. Is there mm -hmm. anybody in psychology that's specifically studying um this is what kids like at different age groups mm. if there is i don't know of anyone that would i guess describe themselves in that way like things that they like um, yeah would that be covered yeah. under developmental psychologist psychology you know when you say it in that way it, it comes off a bit too broad Maybe because because yeah. when we use the word like, my my first association is preference, personality. Like so, it's not. It's a little bit too abstract, right? Well, so it so doesn't this is, seem like yeah, yeah. Where my head's it's, at is, say for example, you watch a Pixar movie. It's yeah. not hard to tell when Pixar is doing something that's for the parents, when they're right. doing something that's for the kids, for the kids, yeah. uh, when they're doing something that's going to appeal to both. Um, I feel like Wally, for example, does a great job of doing all kinds of things that specifically appeal to kids that don't even know how to speak yet. Cause there's like Good. all these, all this time where there's not even any dialogue. It's just like yeah. physical comedy. Right. And I'm not yeah. trying to say that physical comedy is only for people that, do, that for kids that no. don't know how to speak. It's not, no, no, but no. there's also situational comedy, which you start to develop a sense of humor about later mm -hmm. uh, as a kid right. or, or like a stronger sense of humor about it. Right. Then there's potty humor, which you, yes. which you, which the average child likes from a certain age group to a certain age group. Yes, uh, and we all right. like potty humor. No, we don't all like potty humor, but a lot of us never grow out of a liking potty humor. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but a lot of people do grow out of it or it like they, as they mature, they're looking for other kinds of humor. Yeah. It's like, it's that's appealing. the kind of thing that I'm trying to, I'm trying to codify basically. Like I want to start making a lot of content on at different age yeah. groups. Here are things that kids like more uh you know they yeah th there's a higher probability that they'll react to potty humor with bigger more like like they're having more fun you know when mm -hmm. they are uh pre-high school uh like especially yeah. in second grade or it's, it's that kind of stuff dude i think you're onto something pretty hot I, I think if you can codify as you call it that type of material 
there's huge implications for, for that discovery, right? Because that pretty much covers the entire umbrella of marketing, right? Because yes. if you can work for <laughs> books, it can sell like pretty much anything. It would totally inform like what kind of products work for what age group. So yeah, it's it's a worthy endeavor, I would say. And somebody figure that out. Are, people are focused on this problem because if you write for kids, like if you're a comedy writer for kids, yeah, you are focused on the problem of how do I make kids yeah. react to what I'm writing. Yeah. Um, but I don't know that anybody has sought out psychologists to go, let's codify this. Let's 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 yeah. really figure this out. I don't think so. Yeah, but well, what's funny. If you can do it, nail it, man. I, I think that those findings would just make you the expert in, in that realm of like what sells, what works. What I would probably say also is from a psychologist's perspective, what they would be able to inform you on more. So, so I think your meta question is more about like what they like, what gets the reaction. I don't know if a psychologist yeah. can answer that kind of question, but what they could answer for you, which would probably be more aligned with parents, right? Which is, what is it that I want to instill in my children, <laughs> right? And, and, and what is developmentally appropriate? What are they able to grasp? Yeah. And if that, that content's in the book. well-documented. Right? That's well-documented. Oh, exactly. And every exactly. customer that I ever get, that's their primary concern is, this is what I want to instill in my kids. And I tell them- I figure that much. Awesome. Yeah. You, making a piece of media for a child is excellent for- for working on, you know, instilling something, but you have yeah. to incept it. If it's coming yes. like top down, I'm teaching this to you. Uh, like great. It. It's just more parenting. That kid is going to take that book, toss it to the side and okay. pick up Captain Underpants because kids are exactly. not looking for books that are going to instill stuff in them. Right. No. So it's great. It's great yeah. to figure <laughs> out, you know, what are the things that we want to instill in kids at different stages of their development. That is a worthwhile right. thing to figure out. But in my opinion, sure. it's well-documented and all of my customers, that's the only thing on their mind anyways. That's the problem. Uh, yeah. That's where all I want, where about. I want to partner with them is go awesome. This is what you want to instill. You want to instill in kids, the idea that, you know, it's important to take risks and not get too discouraged by failure. Yes. Let's yeah, make that kid's sure. book, but we need to make it in such a way where a kid is asking to be read that book every night. Yeah. There you go. There <laughs> you go. You got, you got your work cut out for you, man. That it's, anyways, uh, it's a good anyways, question. Timothy, that's not what I, that's not what I uh, jumped on here. Oh, you're not recording. Wait, what, what have we been doing? <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, okay. So uh, I am talking with Timothy Yen. He is the author of the book, choose better the optimal decision-making framework. Timothy, welcome to the Purpose Driven Entrepreneur. Thanks so much, Timmy, for having me on your show. Yeah, I'm excited to talk to you, Timothy. So the question that I ask everybody on this show is, and you can kind of decide how you want to answer it, but essentially it's, what are you living for? What's your legacy? What, what do you want to be remembered as when you die? Man, we're going for the, the heavy hitters right off the bat. I like it. So I gave it a little bit of thought and the thing that I really care about and want to be remembered for is being someone who uh, not only inspires, but, but able to unlock unrealized potential that, that that's really important to me. Like taking someone who maybe has a certain a mindset or 
experiences that inform where they think they are and being able to guide and just unlock something that they've never even dreamed or imagined that they're capable of doing. And I want to be able to do that in, in small ways from, from an individual level, all the way to like in big ways, right? Organizations, teams, uh, culture shifting. Those are the kind of things that really excite me. When did you realize and what made you realize that that is what you wanted to make your life about? Well, I would say that it is a gradual progression. I don't know if I had a, a aha moment per se. Uh, as a psychologist, I, I definitely care about people and I want people to live their best life. Like that, that is something uh, meaningful to me, something that I'm sure is meaningful to, yeah. to other people as well. So in that line of work, I've realized, yes, like this is something that I can a hundred percent support and, 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 you know, go behind. So is this what drew you to psychology or is this something that you realized you were so passionate about because you were already drawn to psychology and this is something you realized in that? Yeah, the, the process of discovering it was weird <laughs> in that <laughs> I, I didn't intend on being a psychologist even growing up. Didn't even know that was a thing. Okay. Wanted to do journalism, actually. That's what I really wanted to do out of high school. Interesting. But Interesting. Be because I discovered I was severely colorblind when I was trying to enlist for the military, for the army. I couldn't be a journalist anymore. Uh, and psychology was one of the few professions. Hold on, wait, that... you have to be able to see color to be a journalist? Yes. Surprise, surprise for those who are listening. Apparently, because I got on. barred. <laughs> How? <laughs> I got barred. Why? No, lots of questions. Yes. But that totally pivoted my career from journalism to psychology because mental health was one of the few that didn't need color. So... That's how I stumbled upon uh, well, psychology. I know, I know that you can't be colorblind and join the military, but uh, but so why not just be a journalist outside the military? Well, I also wanted Uncle Sam to pay for my college. Oh, got so it. That's okay, why I enlisted got it. Got it. right out the gates. I just had to pick a job, some sort of job that I could yeah. do within the within the army. Yeah. So yeah, I wouldn't say that I was that intentional about being a psychologist. It life had a funny way. God, however you want to quantify it, like somehow that it kind of led me down this path. But something a little bit more, I guess, poignant perhaps is I did attend a leadership workshop conference type of thing that really brought that to the forefront. So as I was doing the, the psychology school stuff, I did go to this thing called Clemmer and Associates. They're like a very experiential leadership type of training facility or company. And that's really what opened my eyes to kind of what's possible in terms of huge change in a short amount of time. That's kind of one of their slogans. And I felt it, experienced it personally. And I guess I'm doing it in my own way now. Are, are you happy? Do you feel fulfilled? Yes and no. So tell me, it, it, it's it's almost a two sides to the same coin, right? So yes, I am very uh, happy with just the blessings I have in my life. So when, when I take a look at my life, that the things that were uh, either earned on some level, but in many ways given, there's just a lot of things that uh, yes. I cannot boast and say that I deserve these things. I don't. Uh, 
I mean, health, like there's a lot of things I don't deserve, but I, I definitely recognize that they are wonderful things in my life and they don't want to take for granted. So from that perspective, I'm very content. On the flip side of things, there's other things that I want to create that I want to do that there's things that, uh, unrealized potential of, of things that I know I'm capable of. And I, I don't even know what the next steps are. And some of the dreams that I have in my heart are just like so big that I, I don't have a roadmap. Even yeah, tell me about how to do it. That. I'm really curious. Yeah. So, so some of the dreams I have in my heart is uh, really changing the culture and landscape of how uh, international companies, especially in the East. So, so China, different Asian countries, I, I want to shift the culture to a much kind of healthier, holistic, yet still profitable, you know, it, it has better like work-life balance, uh, being able to invest in your families. That is like not really a thing in the East. It, it's definitely much more of a Western concept. But again, even then, not all Western companies do that very well either. And so that's something that I would love to be able to we break into is, yeah. is being able to shift companies, which means that if I'm able to make a difference in the leadership, then they make a difference in the culture of their companies. And then think about like how many families are impacted by those kind of shifts. And, and that's the kind of stuff that I'm like, that is so freaking big. Like I have no idea what that looks like, hmm. how that's going to happen, but it, it's been on my heart for probably about a decade, right? It's kind of wow. been in there. It's like a vision of mine. And so, you know, starting a consulting firm kind of as of a, a couple months ago, uh, quitting my full-time job to pursue something that I believe deeply in, that's one step closer to what I want to do. That's super exciting to me. Uh, I, I just, I, I don't know why I felt like asking you that question if you were happy or satisfied and then seeing where that's going, but that's probably not where this podcast was originally going to go. Uh, cause that's I okay. want to, I want to talk to you about your, so nobody writes a book if they're not thinking about legacy and purpose, you wrote the book, choose better, the optimal decision-making framework. Why did you write that book? For several reasons, uh, the, the the first reason was because I wanted to give value to companies. And in a conversation with a friend who's a CEO of a tech company, she's the one that birthed that idea in my mind. That critical thinking, being able to help her, her staff, her her leadership, her her employees, team leads, how to help them think better, right? How to make better choices despite all of the, the stress and deadlines and conflicting expertise. Like there's all these things that are going on. She asked me, is there a way that we can streamline that decision-making process? So that idea came from her. And then when I thought about it a little bit more, I realized, hmm, in big ways and small ways, I've been doing that with counseling this entire time. People come to me because they are stuck or they're confused and they haven't made great choices up to that point, but they want to live a better life. So how have I been able to guide them in that direction? There's been certain themes that come up again and again that come up in our conversations. I just boiled it down into a framework and wrote the book. What's, what's one thing that you think most people are getting wrong about making decisions? One thing that they're getting wrong. 
I guess first thought, best thought is people believe that it is uh, something that you have or you don't. Like it's like this dispositional thing. Some people are like, I'm just someone that doesn't make good choices. Like I'm, I'm impulsive. I'm uh, stupid, whatever, whatever the reason is. That's one of the, the big things that I want to debunk in that, in my book, I want to frame it as decision-making is a skill, right? When, when you have the knowledge, you have the tools, you're able to take a pause and, and think through in a systematic way, the probability of you making a optimal decision goes up tenfold. It's because people don't know how to make great decisions. That's why people don't make great decisions. But because it's a skill, it can be learned. How hard was it for you to make the decision to quit your job and go off on your own? And what what was that like? What prompted it? So what I realized was when you work for a company, you are essentially investing and building someone else's dream, which is fine, right? If you don't have a dream of your own, Partner with someone's dream that's worthy of your life, right? So, yeah. it, exactly. So for for a while, working working at the hospital, it was great. Learned a lot, and it helped me refine my skills as a psychologist. So I'm forever indebted to the companies that I've worked for up to this point. And then at some point, I realized I also have a dream of my own that that I want to build, but I don't have unlimited time and energy to invest in both dreams. So that's where it came to a point where it's like, hmm, I could play it safe and continue to get a salary, healthcare benefits, retirement plans. Like those are all good things, but I have very little creative juice and energy left by the end of the day to build anything else. So I came to that realization at some point. I was like, okay, I, I, I learned what I needed to learn in this season of my life. There's something that I really want to pursue and I can't do both well. And that's when I decided, okay. I mean, there was a system in terms of my transition. It wasn't like, honey, I'm just going to quit my job, right? Like, like it was a, a few months kind of process, a lot of long discussions about what the next steps would be. I want to say that I did it in a very calculated, educated, informed kind of way. So it wasn't like, and jump into the deep end makes a great story. I'm sure. But mom was very like, yeah, there's a methodology behind my transition out deep in your, in your heart, or you mentioned God. I don't know if you believe in God. Uh, so we could, we could also say, do you feel that God is pushing you? So either deep from deep within your heart, or do you feel like God is pushing you to take a step that you have not articulated yet to somebody? And if so, I'd love to hear what it is. Yeah. So for the record, I do believe in God and, and my faith is, is a very central part of my life and my life philosophy, purpose, all those different things. I would not necessarily use the word push. Push kind of has this uh, more aggressive connotation rather you're kind of being shoved to do something. And in my experience, at least God has not really been that kind of, he hasn't been pushy with you? Not particularly. Some people have described God in that way. And in my life, I would say it's much more of a, a gentleman type of engagement where he will pose thoughts, 
put things in my heart, things that will get me excited, you know, those type of things. But the verdict is completely on me. Like it's, mm. it's up to me. Do I want to take that step of faith? And, and do I really believe that God is who he says he is and he's able to do what he says yeah. he can do? Am I going to put that to the test or yeah. am I going to play it safe? And I think he would honor it either way. So that's why it's not really pushy, but definitely there is something that's been like grafted in my heart where it does make me think, yes, life is too short to not go for something yeah. what deeper, is it? more meaningful. Which is those things, right? Like really uh, changing people's lives to unlock their potential, like those type of things on on a big scale, right? Is what I would love to do. I love it. Timothy, this is, this is a super fun conversation for me. I have a for fun question that I like to ask everybody. And that is what's a kid's book that you would make if you could, given what you care about. If I could make a kid's book, which I've actually thought about. Okay. Believe it or not, my mom is a brilliant artist. So I've somewhere down the line, I would love to do this like co-op project where she does the art, I do the story. So that's probably five, 10 years down the line. But the topic that comes up to mind as you were asking that question is maybe something along the lines of helping children identify certain fears or or certain mindsets that create barriers for them. And at the same time, uh, ways to kind of unlock uh, those fears, break through them so that they can pursue something that actually excites them, that, that gives meaning for their life. But like on a kid level, some, something that speaks into that. I love it. Timothy, this has been a super fun conversation for me. Thank you so much for being a guest on my podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me, Timmy. How should listeners connect with you? So they can connect with me through all sorts of social media outlets, but the easiest way is probably on my website, which is timyen.com, T-I-M-Y-E-N.com. And on the bottom, there's all these different links on ways that you can follow me. Um, like, like you said, Timmy, I authored a book called Choose Better, The Optimal Decision-Making Framework. So the link is also on my website, or you can type Choose Better in Amazon, Barnes & Noble, wherever you buy your books. I love it. Thanks for being on. Thanks so much. 